I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. I'll say this about last night in the Super Bowl. You know, I haven't got really a, a horse in the race. I'm not a huge, huge fan of, of either, but I, I watched very, very closely, frame by frame at times. And uh, I've got to tell you, I think Shakira took J-Lo just about at half time. Just about Shakira was, was, was my pick. Uh, but I tell you, it was a tightly, tightly fought race. And uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the half time show. The game was just awful, but the, uh, the <laughs> half time was fantastic. Welcome to Footy Prime. James Sharman here with you. Dickio's here. Craig Forrest is currently in Mexico. 11 days he's there, I think, and he's, he's playing 10 rounds of golf, so he says. A day. A day, probably, yeah. He's obsessed. But, Craig, if you're listening, he's not listening. I hope you're enjoying yourself, and uh, we look forward to your return at some point, unless, of course, you end up in cuffs, which is also <laughs> quite possible. But it's okay, because we have got a couple of extra guests today on Footy Prime I'm very excited about uh, to start with. A guy football fans in Canada know really, really, really well. He played for v- Vancouver. He played for Toronto FC. Uh, you, you Man City fans out there might know him a little bit too. Played there for a number of years. Uh, across England, actually. It's Terry Dunfield. El Tell, welcome to Footy Prime. El Tell. Oh, thank, thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. I thought you were going to keep going with my club. <laughs> podcast no, would have been over. I was going to say, we, you, you've got to be out by 10.30, right? So, uh, <laughs> our, our fourth member of the panel today is, is probably the most important member on the panel we've ever had. They're not saying much, man. to be honest Cheers with you. <laughs> what a you know, wanker. I'm sorry, Terry, but, but the guy beside Taxi. you is more important <laughs> to you. After that intro. Taxi Fatel. No, 100%. Uh, fans <laughs> of the Canadian Premier League will know him, of course. It's Commissioner David Klanikan. Welcome, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, big week for the CPL, obviously. A huge week with the eighth member of uh, the, the league being announced and Atletico Madrid, of course, a, a big part of that. We'll talk about the CPL as the, the podcast continues and towards the end in particular, David. But today's theme, fellas, and it's really fitting because we've got Terry and, and Danny here who, who have played for a lot of clubs over the years. have uh, moved to a lot of clubs, have left many clubs. Um, so today's theme is going to be transfers, uh, debuts, moving to new clubs, leaving old clubs, you know, what is it like? So so let's get this thing rolling, fellas. We'll start with you, Deej. Mm-hmm. Um, debuts, you've had a few of them over the years. I think between yep. the two of you guys, 20 clubs Ooh. you played for. 
professionally, that is. Um, what was the one debut that, that sticks out more than any other? My, my debut for QPR, which was my, my hometown team. Um, for sure, that was my biggest memory. I think any boy growing up wanting to play for his hometown club uh, was a special moment for me because I was in front of my family, my friends, and it was very unexpected as well. I'd, I'd been out on loan to a couple of clubs. They, they threw me into the fire at Wellin and then at Barnet, which was a, a real eye-opener for a young boy who was a little who was a little bit maybe too big for his boots at times and was involved with the London club scene as well. And then to get thrown... Not a football club scene. No, not a football club, club but just a DJ scene. <laughs> <laughs> to get thrown with the Wolves in, in the lower leagues was, was my best grounding uh, moment, I think. And they obviously sent me out on loan. They brought me back in and said he's ready. And uh, I played at home against Aston Villa in the FA Cup against the great Paul McGrath, who I loved. Paul, I'm you know, my first ever interview as, no a, as, as a journalist or reporter or whatever you want to call me was Paul McGrath. Yeah. And it was in a pub in Toronto, and it was fantastic. He was actually he was, he was in Toronto. Brilliant, yep, he was. Um, and I remember I wore, I wore Elliot Friedman's blazer. <laughs> because I didn't have a blazer. I had no, no smart clothes. And it's kind of like, hey, by the way, Shams, do you want to do this interview? Like, really? Okay. What, what was I Paul McGrath he, I, doing here? I thought Dietrich was going to say his name, Bobby Charlton. <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. <no, geez. laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Tom, not out. <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was great. He was a brilliant interview. What a, what a story. Good. What a play. I'm actually reading his book at the moment called Back from the Brink, where he because went he, through yeah, a tough time dark with times, yeah. alcoholism and lost his boy for a while. So it's a, it's a good book. But no, that was definitely my... my I've had a lot of debuts, as we've spoken about, with many clubs, but that was my my best one, as I said. I scored in it as well. And Do you remember, like, sorry, I'm, I'm staying on the McGrath thing, the Uwa Paul McGrath, right? That was, that was, that was the, McGrath, uh, yeah. the... That was Uwa Cantona, wasn't it? Well, after, oh, yeah, but McGrath was before Cantona, wasn't With it? English football fans, they, they're not the most intelligent, so they just try <laughs> to rhyme certain things with R and U. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we just lost half of our listeners. <laughs> it's true. When, when you They'll get, thank me for saying that. Don't worry about A new player gets signed for your club. It's like, ooh, how, how does his name end? Yeah. How can we rhyme it with something, you know? Uh, Christian Fuchs had issues. I think we've got a nice segue here. My career, back back from the brink. <laughs> <laughs> well, yours was back from the brink. Terry, you actually retired and worked in the factory. Yeah, yeah. So there was no in-between. And, and I think that's why I had so many clubs. I was either on top of the world, which led to opportunity, or I was struggling with injury or something off the field happened and it was looking for a new club. And, and that was pretty exciting. But uh, going back to the debut one, uh, mine was against Chelsea. I was 18 years old, playing for Man City, and, and everything came pretty easy to me, as crazy as that might sound. Kind of progressed nicely through the academy, played in the reserves, and now all of a sudden I'm playing at Maid Road in front of 35,000 people. It was incredible. And I came on off the bench after about 15 minutes. Jeff Whitley got hurt. And I remember Joe Royal saying to me, whatever you do, don't look up at that big stand, which holds 25,000 people when you come up. And the first thing I did was like, oh, shit, there's 25,000 people here. What am I doing out here? I'm this kid from Vancouver with a bad side party, and there's no way I should be out here. And I had to go over, and do you remember Richard Edgehill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was taking a throw-in. And all I had to do was super easy, David, is just bounce it back to him. 
and it comes into me. My leg was wooden. It wouldn't even <laughs> bend. And I put it into row 10. And I'm like, that's it. It's over. You know, I'm going to get the subcuts come up. <laughs> oh, oh, was, and, and you know when you, you, you look to a senior pro to be like, don't worry about next play? He's like, Terry, what, the, what are you doing? <laughs> so, so anyway, at halftime, and I don't think I've ever really told anybody this, another player who's uh, an alumni guy, a legend for Man City, Paul Dickhoff, you could see I was super nervous, a bit like this podcast. And uh, <laughs> we can tell. Yeah, oh, yeah this sure. is a pretty heavy table. Uh, You're going back to the factory, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was hoping we wouldn't talk about that. So uh, he brings me into the boot room. He says, "Terry, come with, come with me. Come into the boot room." And, and in the older stadiums are boot rooms right beside the first team changing yeah. room. And I'm thinking, "Oh man, he's going to fill me in here. <laughs> like I'm having one." And he says, uh, "Take a drag on this." He brings out a cigarette at halftime. I've never smoked before in my life. But that connection of bonding with a senior player to say, you know what, it's okay. And for 30 seconds, it took my mind off of marking Desai on corners or playing against Jean-Franco so you're, you're one of us now. So, yeah, no and, and that little moment, and, and I had it with Danny now working in the academy at TFC where he's taking me under his wing. All the nerves went out, and 45 minutes later, I've got a bottle of champagne, man of the match. Do you still smoke? Uh, no. <laughs> didn't start something. No, then. no. For, for all my vices, I just, I think I'd look cool smoking, but it's just not for me. Well, I mean, how did you end up in England, though, Terry? I mean, uh, we've been through this with Craig, and well, Danny was born there, obviously, but with Craig, but uh, how did you end up in England? Yeah, I was, a, I was a little bit of an outlier. As soon as I kicked the ball when I was four, I knew I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Uh, fundraised, like every other kid in Vancouver, to go over for a tournament in Stoke. Uh, Man City, and actually Liverpool, said, why don't you stay for a couple weeks? I went to Man City first on trial. And I didn't come home for 13 years till the Vancouver Whitecaps bought me. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Some story. And obviously, yeah. we're, we're family get, obviously loved me. Yeah, can, <laughs> it's, it's tough for a young kid, right? And for the family as well. I mean, yeah, you, you had a billet, I'm assuming. Is that yeah, how it yeah, kind of back and forth. Mom came over a little bit. But there was, I guess back in those days, uh, there was no playbook. There, there was no academies. There was no CPL. So, so I kind of had to find a way. And um, it, it, it built up a lot of strength and, and my adversity kind of and, and dealing with adversity went through the roof and, and nothing really fazed me because I got to play soccer every day. David, when you hear that, does it validate even more what you guys are doing at the CPL, giving a pathway for young Canadian kids as opposed to taking that big gamble and moving overseas at a very young age? Yeah, I think it. I think it's it per, it's a perfect example of, of why we need the Canadian Premier League in this country. You know, and, and you know, it's, it, it just epitomizes exactly uh, what what has what what players have had to do in the past, young players, and and the courage that it takes to to leave your home, that you know, go halfway across the globe almost, and play and and stay with someone else. It's not it's not for everyone. It's very difficult to do. I mean, it doesn't matter who you talk to; they all tell you the same thing. It's they do it because the passion's there, and there's a there's a flame that's lit within them. But it's uh, it, it makes it that much harder to be more successful. So, you know, we need that here. There's, we're still going to get players that are going to do that too, but that's the one percenters, right? Yeah, and and, and I think David nailed it. And, and for me, looking back, there was no plan B. I had to make it. And and for ten years of my career, I'm running around on a knee that doesn't bend because I I, I didn't have any other options. I I, I kind of had to make it. And. I agree with with David big time. I, I was one of those one percent, and and it broke our family up. It, and as for the highs of playing against Chelsea, there was there was a, 
some serious lows too. Yeah, it's been some journey. Can you yep. quickly mention the, the the factory story? What happened there and how you got out of it? Because it's it's quite incredible. Yeah, so it was crazy. All of a sudden, I've got this huge contract. I've got like three girlfriends, four cars owned by the bank, making some great decisions. I've got horrible tints in my hair. Apparently, mom didn't go over enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad's like, "That's my boy." <laughs> Living the dream, and back then it was complete. It was completely different. And, and it would be like, you know, we were in the pub till Thursday. We wouldn't try, like, if you wanted to do extra training, there was something wrong with you. You're being busy. I'm like, what? This is a little bit different. Uh, so, so anyway, I, I went on a loan to a team called Barry. I loved playing when, when Kevin Keegan took over. And uh, a couple years into that spell, just as I was kind of turning the corner, I almost went to Stoke. Uh, had a really bad injury. I've now got three cars, three expensive girlfriends. Like, it's all piling up. And... Um, What's and, more expensive, the cars or the girlfriends? Uh, they kind of <laughs> coincide. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was good. Um, no shit. Yeah, I hope the factory. I want to hear about it. But when you, I, I guess this, all these experiences set me up for for what was next. And 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 the next, I've been retired now for four years, and I'll never forget the moment I was I, one. I was working in a factory, and then I worked moved into this financial company. And my role, they saw, was to greet footballers or cricketers at the front door. And it's like, oh, we've got a, you know, a player trying to make a comeback who can kind of say what's up and, and kind of they'll feel comfortable. But for me, it was, it was a lot of humble pie. Yeah. I'm going to the door, hey, man, how's it going? It's like, Terry, oh, you work here. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember Kev Nolan, a pretty big-time Premier League player, walked in and he goes, uh, the, the boss comes down. He says, Terry, have you said hi to everyone? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm on it. And uh, in England, my role also was to make tea and coffee, which I was totally fine with. But they give you the orders super quick. It's like tea, black, tea, two sugars, milk, coffee with no sugar, whatever it was. So I get seven orders. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, okay. It's gone straight over my head. I'm already pissed off. I'm sat here at the front door, but it is what it is. And uh, my boss says to me, go get the stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm on it. Go back to bring out the coffees. And I bring Kevin Nolan a latte. And he's lactose intolerant. <laughs> my boss is like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, oh, this is the moment I should walk out. But you know what? I went back in there. I got him his black coffee. And, and that was, you know what? If I can get through moments like this, I can get through everything. And unfortunately enough, I got another opportunity. I had another surgery. Got to play for another 11 years, represent Canada, play in the MLS, go to China, play in the Scottish Premier League. But now when I... Nothing sort of phases me. So I, there's right. something to be said for living those experiences. Adversity, right? Can, yeah. Can, can grow someone. How's the knee now? It's tough. Is it? Yeah, it's tough. But More it's, surgeries uh, on the way? But, you know, it's kind of cool waking up with a sore knee because it reminds me that I got to play for 17 years. See, I wake up with pains every day, and I got no reminders of why I have those pains. It's just my life. It sucks. <laughs> so I can't say, oh, I played for TFC. I played for Man... No. I played third division indoor men's beer league soccer. <laughs> that's my ankle hurts right now. That's, that's not good, man. <laughs> and you played rugby for well, that was the opposing team. Yeah, yeah for the opposing team, yeah, yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> you mentioned loans there, though, Deach, and you were loaned out, of course. Most yeah. young players were loaned out. I mean, w- when you walk into that room for the first time as a loanee from mm. often a, a bigger club, what's the reception like? Pretty frosty, yeah. Um, it's weird because when you're sold as a player, you kind of feel like you're part of the new group when you're going to that club or to that organization. But when you're on loan, 
it's a totally different situation because you're going there to take time from either someone else that's been part of that group for a long, long time. Uh, like normally, when I was going on loan, it was either for experience or to get um, recovered from an injury, my recovery from an injury. So you're, you're kind of going into a group where a manager or a chairman has brought you in to help them out, but they're also helping you out to recover or get experience. But it's trying to integrate with that group of players that have been together for either a long time or done a pre-season together. And it's, it's pretty difficult. And you have to start off on the front foot. If you start off badly, it becomes a, a very bad situation. And lucky enough, I'd, I'd, I'd always kind of been in... Uh, situation where I was either setting up goals or scoring goals in a short period of time because a loan back in our days was only for a month and if it was extended it was because the the team either liked you or your team your uh, owning owning team your team would bring you back to play so it was shorter loans than what we're seeing now which is six months or a year's loan. What's the uh, the feeling at CPA with loan deals uh, from MLS or from wherever obviously you want to increase the, the talent level in the league but at the same time you want to establish yourself as you know we are a professional league without professional players. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're open to it. In our first season, we had some of the teams had some loan, uh, players come on loan from some of the MLS teams in Canada. <clears throat> we're seeing the same thing happening uh, here again, uh, and this with the second season, that's already already there. We're trying to establish some some standards around it, right? Because what you don't want is you don't want players being pulled back early. You'd like to keep them for the the season. If they pull them back, maybe potentially they'd keep them at that point in time because you can't have them in and out. Because yeah. it, it doesn't <clears throat> because you you start to establish a different type of league, right? And that's not that's not what we're after. But but we're working through it with the owners. I mean obviously it's an opportunity and we see already that, that not just the MLS but uh, leagues over in Europe are saying, well maybe we'll send some of our young players because we can give them first team minutes. Yes. The one thing we can really do well is we provide big opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of opportunity. Uh, we don't necessarily have the same academy systems and things like that, but we do give first team minutes, and that's a that's a, a big difference for us. I, I think Ryan Telfer is a great example <clears throat> yeah, of that. Exactly. Who, who went to York Nine? He was, in all honesty, kind of going sideways at TFC. He he was, I'd say, a top ten player in in CPL this year, and on the back of that. His career springboarded again, and he's now playing in the Cypriot Premier League now, and, and he wouldn't be there right now if it wasn't for the CPL. That's the balance, though, right? You mentioned there, David, how you don't want to be seen as being a, a setting league necessarily, but you can always see that the top talent move on. We saw Tristan Borges mm-hmm. move this uh, this past couple of weeks, actually. You know, Julian Bercher has gone to Germany, of course. At the same time, when those players move to another league, in Europe, for example, and they, and they perform and they succeed, that's going to also help the reputation, is it not, of the CPL? I agree. And it's just like, just like Terry said, like what happens is that it, you, when someone moves moves on, and they, as long as they're moving upwards, then they're creating opportunity for a space for somebody else to come in. And so I look at it today. If I'm, if I'm a young player playing in this country today and I see that happening, I, I know, you know it's, it's good for the game. But it's also it, it, it provides lots of opportunity, and again, it's that it, it fans that flame that, that burns within you if you're if you're a football player, right? Yeah. So, it, it I think it's the right thing to do. Dish, when you when you move to uh, say a smaller team or yeah. a team in a lower division, obviously <laughs> the ego takes a bit of a, a bit of a whack. But how is it communicated to you from your your current team? Are they saying this is for your for your you know best being? This is how you are going to improve, or is it often ruthless? Sorry, you're not cutting it. Yeah, we're loaning you out. I, th- I think it's two different situations. Again, when you're younger, it's you're pulled in and you're told where to go. 
you're basically saying you're going to Barnet, you're going. I went to Welling, which was non-league at the time, <laughs> at 16, <laughs> and that, as I said, it was a real eye opener for me. <laughs> but you're basically told this: this is where you're going to play, and this is where you're going to learn. This is where we want you to experience being in a room with 10 to 15 other professionals, senior professionals, who work part time but also need this money, this win bonus, this uh, hopefully points per week to get up the league and hopefully get promoted so they get even more money for their family. It's not really their chosen career in the non-leagues. It's like the part-time guys tell you. You can attest to this as well. You've seen a lot of that. And those guys Thanks. are fighting for their jobs. No, but like no. we've seen it. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that still play in, in the semi-pro league and they're dedicated guys. They're disciplined guys, but they also know that they've got a part-time job where they have to cater for their families. When I was older, it was a little bit different. You're playing for a coach, a new coach that's either coming to the club and doesn't fancy you, and he's basically saying, this club wants you on loan with, hopefully, the opportunity to sign you if you do well. Well, you're basically saying, well, I'm on a contract here for another two years. You either find a club for me, because basically going out on loan as an older player is, is like a trial. And you, as an older player, you shouldn't really be going on trial. You're almost in the shop window. Yeah, it's yeah. a shop window thing. So I think depending wherever you're at, it, it's opportunity. I, I, I don't think it's a knock on your ego. It's just an opportunity to play. And if you've got an open mindset, I think it's an opportunity to grow and get better going on loan. Was it was a, a club, obviously City was a big one for you, but was there ever an, an oh shit moment? When you move to another club, either, oh, shit, wow, this is great, or, oh, shit, what has happened to my career? Yeah, I think Deitch touched on it a little bit. I think the biggest thing when you move clubs is, is you've got to build trust in that changing room and with the fan base, and you've got to do it really quickly. And if you don't have trust, and I'm sure David could say this in the business world as well, you don't have anything. Trust trust is the biggest thing. So I think you need to establish that quickly. My oh, shit moment actually happened with Shrewsbury, who, who just drew with Liverpool on the weekend, which is fantastic, former club of mine. Uh, is sometimes you can try too hard. And, 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 I, and I tried way too hard when I went there. Paul Simpson, a former Man City uh, player, was the head coach. Uh, he just won the world championships with the England U20. He was my coach at Preston. Yes, yeah, so. it's such a... He such tried to send me on loan. Cycle of football. Eh? It's crazy, but like... So yesterday, for, for Christmas, I got my, my girlfriend... Who who's awesome and uh, she's great. From she actually played for Stephen Hart at Shmu University, really, uh, in Halifax. And I met her on a podcast actually. But anyway, uh, <laughs> for Christmas I bought her uh, like a painting, and uh, we're trying to put it up. And uh, okay, fine, it's February, but I was trying so hard to put it in the wall, and I kept banging holes in the wall. It was a <laughs> mess, and like the wall's gonna come down, and. It was a little bit like my spell at Shrewsbury. Like you can keep trying hard, you can keep banging, but like I needed a plan B, a plan C, and you, and, and I think that that's those two things kind of correlate. And and it's and, and that was an experience that when I came to the Vancouver Whitecaps and TFC, that I was better for that experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just blown away by how many girlfriends you've had. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. my God, yeah. like it's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking well, Romeo talented. over here. He's like He's a, well done. No. He's like a really, Saudi. Real, like, really, I'm insecure. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a Saudi prince. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got a new haircut. My confidence is high right now. But I mean, you, you talk about you know you, you've moved to a new club either permanently or on loan, right? And, and back in, I'm not. You're not that old, Deitch, right? But there's a drinking culture when you first started playing, yes. right? 
Um, were you pressured to become part of that social circle, or were you at that point such a professional that you, you could put that to the side? Because English football in the early, even even the early two thousands, it was changing. Yes, but it was still that was still there, wasn't it? Of course, yes. And you're as as I've spoken about when you're going on loan or you're going into a new dressing room. It's like arriving at school for a, for a new new year, whatever it is, and you've got a bunch of new friends or friends that you've met before. And to be kind of accepted in that group, you have to do a lot of st- stuff that you, you actually don't believe in. And it wasn't I didn't believe in the drinking culture. I was never a big, big drinker. Uh, I think my friends can attest to that as well. But it was a culture that the, the managers actually pushed for as well to build the team spirit. Mm-hmm. So whether it be golf days, whether it be a day at the races, a day uh, at the pub where you'd go for a lunch and stuff, it was a day where the players could kind of switch off from being on the training field or in front of the fans in a game and just be themselves. It was like a brother's (laughs) sister's cousin's birthday. Well, let's go have a drink. (laughs) Any excuse, right? It was crazy. But you also found out some cousins that you didn't particularly like during them days out as well. And it was was interesting, actually, in the kind of mid-2000s or early 2000s when the foreign players started to come over and obviously the foreign coaches, Arsene Wenger was a big um, a foundation in, in kind of turning the game a different way and how you prepare and how you look after yourselves. That the foreign players had no idea about the culture. that would, They'd well, heard anyway. about it, but they, they had no idea what was actually going on. I, th- I think um, having... A, a big personality in the changing room is so important. If you look yeah. at the Calvary right now, they've got Nicky Ledgerwood there who, who can really drive that culture, drive Tommy Wielden's identity. And, and I think Experience if you, as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and I think having an influencer, and he doesn't have to be an extrovert. He can be – Nicky's a, a little bit of an introvert. He really leads by example. Uh, at TFC, they've got Michael Bradley there. And, and if you've got the right – senior players in place I think that's so crucial that's a really good point isn't it because we talk about the CPL being this pathway for young Canadians but it's also so important to have that that veteran core as well be them Canadian or otherwise but you know specifically in in Nicky Ledgerwood's case you know Canadian um, when when these teams are building teams is there any message from the CPL about them what they should focus on? No, I think we talk about it that, that there's always going to have you're going to have to have a mix and a range of players. You need the Nick Ledgerwoods of the world. <clears throat> you need the Malik Hamiltons as well, right? Like you need those guys. So there's there. It's back to the relationships. Establishing relationships in the change room, to me, uh, is very very important because anybody new coming in, it's almost like you're you're coming in as a mercenary, and so you've mm-hmm. got to have the relationships very quickly. Just Danny, as you said, because if you don't. Uh, you get ostracized, and so you know we've the, the coaches here really they set the tone in the CPL, and they've done a good job with it. You know, there's some there's some good chemistry in the teams. Yeah, I, I've heard rumors of of some discourse a little bit where yeah, where you know, you're, you're always going to get, get the, some yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, of but but, uh, but by and large, it's uh, you know it's a younger league. Let's be honest, uh, and, and and we we want that because we're trying to develop players. For uh, sure. Along that note as well, Dave. So. For me, working with youth players here in Canada, and I'm probably a little bit over the top with trying to push Canadian boys through. Even with our first team, I keep knocking on the door trying to say, give these boys an opportunity. And I think this league is fantastic, not only for players that maybe have 
either had their first hurdle broken where they, they thought they were going to be a professional, a, a club where they've been at in the academy or they've gone across to Europe. And now they have this platform to come back home and play in a professional league. Now, is there a, a new kind of rule, a new sense where they're going to up the, the Canadian player quota? I know it's it's pretty high at the moment, but even for younger players, like under-21 players, there was was it two or three in each team or starting team last year? Three three under twenty ones had to total a minimum of a thousand minutes, and all the clubs kind of blew through Which that great, very quickly. Yeah. So that was great. Sixteen Canadians is a lot on the on the roster. Seven seven internationals is really where we're at. We don't see changing that at this point in time. We don't need to, truthfully, Danny, because at the end of the day, and Terry knows this because he's done a lot of our games. But the reality is, <clears throat> we've got. You know, if you look at the, even the Canadian Championship games last year, right, playing York, playing against uh, Montreal Impact, York starting eight or nine Canadians, you know, with a couple of internationals playing, the Montreal Impact's playing, th- you know, three Canadians and, you know, eight internationals. Right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we've, we, and if you look at the, the stats last year in the Canadian Championships, I think Canada Soccer said that it was 64 or 65% of the players that played in the games were, were Canadian. That's the highest it's ever been. You would expect that because which of the is great. number of which CPL is, teams. Got, so we're, uh, yeah, I hope we're we keep it. pushing it through. And and you know what? You're you're 100. Like I, I've been a firm believer in this. We've had great players come out of this country. We we've had there's probably a ten times the level of great players that have come out of this country that never got a chance. Yes, I played with a. So I don't know if you follow the NCAA at all. It's coach out of Maryland, Sasha Swarovski. Yep, grew up in Windsor, Ontario. We we played together from the age when we were eight till we were sixteen. I can remember him going over to Scotland. And well, an old coach by the name of Tom Deary was a coach down there at one of the high schools down there. And Tom Tom knew guys in Scotland. He went over. And I think he I think he trialed with Aberdeen or Dundee, one or the other. Anyways, broken hearted. Yeah. Kid's a Yugoslavian kid, right? Like he's <laughs> like he's uh, he was crushed, right? Uh, so he comes back. He's turned out to be probably the best NCAA coach I think ever yeah. uh, at Maryland, right? And but again, struggled mightily uh, be, because of what he what he went through. But but again, you think of all those players yes. that that never really made it at, uh, because they didn't have that opportunity. This league profiles them and and puts eyes on them. So you think about the and I'll I'll bring it in now. But you think about the the club that we just signed to bring our eighth franchise in to bring it to Ottawa. Though, if I was a Canadian boy playing today, whether I'm playing in that club in Ottawa, whether I'm playing anywhere else in one of our teams, I know that there's going to be eyes from across the globe looking at players in this league now because it just it just went through the roof because this is a this is a club that knows talent. It is one of the I would say one of the ten best clubs in the world. That's good for Canadian kids. It's amazing because you're you're on the stage all the time then. And Atletico must be looking at this as being a. a breeding ground for talent as well. I mean, obviously they were open to the, you know, big picture of what the CPL is, improving Canadian soccer, obviously, but when do those conversations begin and how open were they to start with? So they were, you know, they, they, you know, the the way the whole thing started with them, truthfully, was MediaPro, literally, you know, when we started, when we did the global RFP, it was very interesting. I made the comment to Scott Mitchell at the time. I said, you know, it's interesting that that businesses uh, and corporations Across the across the ocean, across the pond, they're the ones most interested because they understand the impact of football uh, on on just economies in general and what happens in countries, right? 
And so when we, when MediaPro stepped up and said we want to do this, they saw they they saw the diamond in the rough, so to speak, right? <clears throat> but they signed up, and when they signed up, they said we're going to be partners. Like we want to be a partner, not just we're going to invest a lot in Canadian soccer and developing talent. We understand the rules and everything you're going to do. We love it, but we're going to we're going to help even further than that. They're the ones who introduced us to Atletico, wow. and <clears throat> it wasn't other than anything other than than you know what, you know they want to get to know you. They were really in. They were intrigued with this idea of a whiteboard. <clears throat> you don't have a hundred years of history. You could argue that could be a, a curse that you don't have a hundred years of history, or you could say, you know what, it's a it's an absolute bonus that you don't have that because you can yeah. you can do what you want. And so as they stepped in and and they started to get to know us, they got more and more intrigued by the way we were doing things. They liked the fact that we thought outside the box. We were prepared to, you know, if it's not broke, then then break it. I mean, not 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 <laughs> yeah. necessarily, you know, turn your back on on the rules of football. Like we, we totally believe in in all of that, but just try things differently because it doesn't necessarily always work the way it works everywhere else. So eventually, it turned into you know what we'd like to we'd like to get involved in the league. Not once then anyone from that club, at the executive level, all the way right up to one or Miguel Juan uh, Gilmartin, who who literally he, they never said, well, we'd like to change your rules on player content or anything like that. It was all in. We understand it. This is who we want to be. And they that's the kind of, you know, so they, they understood that here's a country, which, by the way, is a fantastic country to live in. That's why we're all here. <clears throat> we're all immigrants, right? But the, we're here for a reason. Uh, people like this country. And to be able to play football in this country at some stage in your life, hopefully early on, that's fantastic. It gives you a springboard for somewhere else. And so that's that's uh, how I look at, at what we're trying to build. I love, too, how Jeff Hunt's involved as well. And, and it's not just Atletico Madrid coming over, bull in a china shop, and, and, and how Jeff Hunt, with his experience, can help integrate uh, this club into the community. Oh, Jeff's... Uh you know, a lot of people know Jeff that from the sports industry, but if you're not if you're not really tied to to what anything outside of football, I mean, Jeff at a very early age bought the Ottawa 67s in, in the OHL and built that into a uh, a big club, a cornerstone club in the OHL. He was he was behind the movement uh, to create OSEG and 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 resurrect the CFL football team in in Ottawa, which became the Red Blacks. Uh, he's a force of nature. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's a you know, I don't know whether he'd like me saying this, but he's a street fighter, and so you. But you need you need that. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Like having a street fighter when you're when you're dealing with startups and things like that, it's fantastic to have because you roll up your sleeves, right? In, in my opinion, I thought the Canadians last year, and congratulations, David, on such a successful first year, but uh, probably overachieved and surprised me. And I thought the quality of football. Uh, was excellent. I thought one soccer media pro played a big part of that too, showcasing all this talent. But I've not said this before. I'd say one of the growth areas potentially is maybe the quality of the international players. I, I, again, I don't know what you think, but I think with Atletico Madrid coming into this league, uh, that this will help bring more, I'd, I'd say, a, a more consistent standard of international players potentially. So, so 
perfect. You, you know, and you're right, Ontario. Here's the here's the thing, right? Which is it's, pretty cool that we're saying it. No. The Canadians were the the foundation yeah. of the league. Yeah, and absolutely crushed it. Canadian mm-hmm. players. We, you know, we talked to some people that we know over in Europe and said, look, at, they're watching our games and said, you know, tell us about the players that you see. And, and if you looked at the best eleven in the league, only two of them were international. Now, you would think that would be flipped the opposite way, but some of it has to do with the fact that when you're on this side of the world. It, you're further away from where all the big leagues are, and, and you know where the yeah. so it's a you know there's a bit of a broken telephone that can happen. So it's it's not that easy to find the right players because the and connect, MLS the, had that problem early right? on as well. Connections yeah. aren't there, and you, and you don't. It's not about going and buying a mercenary to come, yeah. because you buy a mercenary and you bring them in. The minute they hit the ground and put their boots on, they're looking for their next job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's not that's not the answer. The answer's got to be you've got to integrate properly. So the work that we're doing, again, something very different. You guys all know the 21st Club based out of London, mm-hmm. right? And they do some phenomenal work with some big clubs like Ajax, Man City, Liverpool. You know, they're, they're, I think they do stuff with PSG. They're, they're, they're doing stuff with pretty well everywhere. We went to them and said, you know, what, what about this idea of working with us on international players? You've got a database. You know, we'll give you the age level that we're looking for. Let's bring them in at the right level. Let's make them available. Let's get all the data on them that you have. Do the analytics, and then give them to our clubs and let our like we can do that for the clubs. So nice. that, that you know, so the manager actually gets to see the players, and it fits their team and their tactics and everything else. And but you know they're coming in and they a they want to be in Canada. They're not being talked into it by their agent. They they understand what they're getting into and and it raises the level because what you're always because then you can set the bar and say we want players that are playing at or above the level of the, the highest league, level yeah. of our league now, right? When you start to look at, it's a bit like Moneyball, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting. Go, when going you do back that. to what Tell was saying, and, and again, congrats on the first year. I, I just feel as a as a person looking in that there needs to be more exposure, like. For me, the one soccer app is is great, but I just feel there needs to be more exposure on the mainstream. So yep. whether it be on local TV, and we're obviously in a big city here in Toronto, where we have obviously Hamilton in our league as well, York Nine. But and I'm not just talking about exposure for the media, but I'm talking about for the younger fans as well, Dave. So yep. like, if I'm living in Halifax, I expect to see Halifax on local TV week in week out, whether they're playing home or away. Is that something that's going to be coming into the league as well? Or like, if this new group coming in, are they going to make sure that the Ottawa team are going to be on live TV, like the Red Blacks are on week in, week out? Obviously, we know they have a bigger fan base, but just to start building the foundations for these younger fans to start coming to games and the interest as well in that local town, city. Yeah, so, so Danny, you're right. And so the answer, the answer to that is yes, but let me just qualify it. Yes, will be that we will be have more games on that live than we did last year for sure. We had uh, I think twenty games with CBC last year. They they, they 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 played very well and it worked it worked well for us. Media Pro wants to do that. Their their whole idea here with One Soccer is it's it's not just an it's not an OTT platform. They want it available everywhere, anywhere, how people want it. That's that's the whole thing. We have a different. This country's a little bit different, right? We've got two big networks that are very, you know, they're yeah. they're pretty strong, right? I mean, two bulls in the china shop. So, and and they don't necessarily, you know, they they don't think about it the same way. They're very kind of old school in the way they look at things. So, so you're working through that, right? So it, that's okay. We'll work through that ourselves. <laughs> well, you love it, we, as we've so, all worked. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know. And I'm looking around at guys that have all worked for them, right? But but the reality is, it will. It's going to evolve. We know this, right? 
but uh, so and and the reality is today people worry about this idea of you know subscription TV, but the reality is we've been paying subscription TV for decades in this country. We just it was never packaged that way, so we we mm-hmm. don't know it, right? Like, how cool is it <clears> to say that we want to see more of it? We want to oh, see yeah. more of it. Like, this is a great problem to have, right? Well, now. I mean, is that. Obviously, year one was successful. You had yep. your, your goals set, and then yep. whether you reached them or most of them, it's great. For year two, how do you measure success? Is it through viewership on television? Is it in the stands? How do you view your success All of the in year above, two? James. All of the above. I, mean, I, I, you know, I get asked all the time, so David, all right. So last year I was quoted as saying we had a, we had a, a very good year. Not, I, I wouldn't call it great. I would say you gotta be, so you got to be better. So as far as I'm concerned, every standard that we have, we have to improve upon this year. That's the key. So we need we need people in stands. We need people following us. We just did a we just did a, a very big study from with one of the top two groups in North America that does sports studies and viewership and all that. The the uh, the information is off the, over the over the top. It's very very good. Like we've we've made an impression. There's and not you don't need are, new broadcasters, do <clears throat> <for> you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, I think there's a there's a hiring sign out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. I told you no in between. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know there's there's lots of there's lots of opportunity here, and, and I love the fact that we need to see more, like we do, and so that the, our goal is to do that. Yeah. The interesting thing is we're you know we're we're seeing some very in, keen interest from regional broadcasters. So good. you're right on yeah, that. That's right. good, right? But the key thing for us is is that you've got to you got to be able to show them data. One year yeah. under our belt, all of a sudden you've got data in front of you. So now you can actually sit down with people and say, "Here's what it looks like." Because it's gone are the days where the CEO could say, "Yeah, I want yeah. to put our company's name on that stadium that they just built in Hamilton." Now it's the CFO that says, "Show me the return." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Show me uh, the it's figures. A, it's a very, it's a very different world <laughs> can, today. Can I so. go back to Atletico Madrid for a sec? <laughs> so, are you many, looking for a gig? Uh, no. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. actually, actually yeah. Yeah. I think they're okay uh, with Central Midfield. So, have any other super clubs around the world been interested? Has this opened up the door now? It must be unlocked now. I would think. No, well, I so the answer is uh, we're not in any talks with anybody, but there's no doubt that there's lots of interest. But there's been interest from the other leagues, like a. Ten days ago, I was in Germany and met with Christian Seaport, right, for on the Bundesliga, and fantastic. I mean, but it always starts, and you guys know this. It always starts from a fraternal perspective, right? Hey, we just want to help. When it comes to what's going on on the pitch, that's different. That's competition. Yeah. That's a different game. But when it comes to the game of football, those those of us who played it or who work in it still to this day, all we can think of is why isn't everyone else following it the same way, right? Like, it, that's the we're just wired that way, right? I mean, and so they're the same. Uh, everyone, whether it be La Liga or League One in, in France or, you know, not so much the EPL, they're, they're, they're in a different, different a, level. Serie A, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but and ideally definitely you'd want, Bundesliga. Ideally, you'd like majority Canadian ownership, obviously, which is what you have oh, right no. now. So you'd 100%. sprinkle in some foreign ownership. Uh, do you have a number in your mind? No, no number at all. He, 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 when I've been asked, what, what happens if somebody else chaps on your door what are you going to do right and and my, my attitude is if it fits the strategic vision of the club right that, that that's knocking on the door and if it fits our strategic vision as to what we need to do in the in the country and as long as it is it, it fits the the structure of the way we've built the league and no one wants to change the what we're doing then come on in the water's warm right so a couple of questions about Atletico because I think it's amazing that they want to be involved with the league First of all, do you know where they'll play in Ottawa? 
we got a big Otto one here. Yeah, yeah they're, they're they're playing at uh, they're playing at uh, TD Place. Which they're going to play where the Fury. Yeah, yeah. Is there going to be any possible people that worked for the Fury to help them kind of transition into owning the club in a foreign country, or are they going to send uh, staff over to help with the transition? So. They're they're literally three days, but three full like days into this uh, yeah. as they start to build. There's going to be some folks from from uh, from Spain coming over, but there's the vast majority will be Canadian. They realize Good. they've got to develop Canadians as part of it. And it was one of the things that we talked about with their executives: this this idea of we don't necessarily have the technical expertise in this country yet because it's never it's not really been developed the way it could be. And you know, I've had this conversation with John Herdman. John, like, yeah. like we talk about, that we need to invest in technical development. Some of it's got to come from overseas, but eventually, we have to find a way to kind of breed it ourselves, yeah. right? As it's not just the players; it's everybody else. If we Stop, really want to move admin, this thing, everything, right? So, so that's going to be part of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's they, they, again they they see this as a as a great opportunity. Remember, they did this with the club down in Mexico, right? That they bought in the yeah. second division in Mexico and now they've just they've been promoted this year to the the I guess first first division division in uh, yeah. Liga MX, right? Uh Saint Saint Louis, right? Is the is the club and they've done well. So they understand it. Well, we're it's seeing become, it more and more now, right, in, in, in professional football in particular. Yeah. Man City owns several yep. clubs around the world, you know, the, the, this football umbrella. Um, and obviously from a selfish standpoint, they want to serve themselves. They want to find talent, I suppose. Right. But uh, no, by, by growing the sport in this country, you'll only aid that. Um, regarding parity in, in the CPL, now a lot of leagues in North America with cap systems, they want parity. Personally, I like to see – I like big bad monsters. I like to see the Yankees. I like mm-hmm. to see the Liverpools of this season, for example. <laughs> um, what's the CPL's mandate there? Do you want to see parity each year or – if the Forge or, or Cavalry become dominant teams the first few years, is that a positive too? I think, I, you know, at the end of the day, let them play, right? If you've got, you know, you want competition, you don't want, it shouldn't be engineered that way. Let them play. And so, you know, I, you'd, you'd love it that, you know, there's five, six teams in it right to the end uh, because that's where you want to be. And actually when I, I redid the schedule uh, from last year and, and put it into one table, and with four or five weeks left in the in the in the in the in the schedule, if it was all one versus a first and second half, uh, the five or six teams would have still been in it with five right. weeks left to go. And truthfully, if you think about it, at York Nine, Jimmy Brennan said it himself: if they hadn't lost two games that they arguably should have won. They'd have been in it for you know yeah. right at the very end. Oh, Jimmy, and, Jimmy, if 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 and nuts, if candies and nuts, we'd all have a merry that's Christmas, the one. right? That's the one. Yeah. But but if you think After about every it, game, yeah. show me the stats. We were in it. We were in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, Stephen Hart will tell you, like, you know, if we could have won away, yeah, you know, uh, then we would have been right there, right? And so, yeah, every, everybody's got their their issues, but you got to work through them. Are you going to find a way to get? Ottawa into the Canadian Championship. That's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, it's not my decision, but uh, but certainly, we've you know everybody's asking about it. Like it's one of those things where it's an it's a great opportunity. It's it's Canada Soccer's decision, and yes, I know the schedule's out and everything else, but uh, I think uh, I think at one point or another, I mean, discussions are being had. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see it happen. I think if if you polled Canadians, I think Canadians would say that yeah, why not another another team and. And, uh, you know, again, all it does is it creates this global awareness yeah. around the Canadian Championship. It has to it's great, but it's also 
a little bit unfair on the other teams that have been drawn in the competition already. Yeah, you well, you mean the, the, the lower league teams? Or like, like Masters who won League One are playing against York Knight, which is going to be a fantastic mm-hmm. game for Ricky Titus and Masters playing against Jimmy's team. Then the winner of that possibly play against Toronto FC. So now you're trying to bring in another team, which mm-hmm. we all want to be in the Canadian Championship. They've come in a little bit late to the party. And you have to kind of go through the it's schedule. It's not ideal, but I mean, from a footballing standpoint, I understand why those clubs might be a little bit upset about it. But you have to find James, a way, don't you? I, I think our game, we, we, we've got to hold our hands up and say, you know what? It's still growing. We're, we're still finding a way. And, and I think with the change in the format last year, the Canadian Championships went to another level. And, and mm. I think... It was exciting. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, the, the game that stands out is the... Montreal against York Nine, yeah. and 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 uh, it's it's like watching the FA Cup now yeah. when Liverpool play Shrewsbury. It's exciting. That that's to me more exciting than Liverpool Wolves right now, mm. or whatever it might be. So so I think there has to be that open mindset. I just again thinking out loud right now. I, I you know when FC United rebranded and and started right at the bottom. Why not let Ottawa start right at the start of this tournament and sure. and. And you know what? Then they'll build this us against the world. We were put right at the start, but now they're in. And, and now that's an exciting story as well. And then for the teams they're playing, I mean, yeah. what a buzz for them. Wow, yeah. we're playing so there's no advantage, a team owned by Atletico Madrid, you know? Yeah. Um, Diego Simeone's in the sidelines. Yeah, and I, watching and, this. And I think, I, I, again, it's, I, I just love the word David I, bef- brought up before we, we, we came on air of just opportunity. Yeah. That, that's what these players want. That's what these coaches want. This is what the city wants is opportunity. So don't deny that opportunity. No, I'm not, but I just think, you know, you, you take advantage of the buzz as it is, right? Ottawa being owned by Atletico Madrid is a huge buzz right now. It's good for the sport in this country. For them not to be involved in the Canadian Championship, I know they came late to the party. That's, that's not ideal. It's not ideal, but you find a way. You have to find a way. And if you're going to upset some egos, so be it. Yeah, and, I, and I think those egos you still meet later on in the, in the tournament. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, there's a way, right? I mean, smarter people than me will be figuring it out, but there has to be a way. Yeah, and no one gets a free pass, let's be honest. Yeah. That's, that's not, no one would, no one would, I wouldn't uh, propose that either, right? You want, you want everybody involved. But, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a kid from Blaineville and I'm playing against a team like uh, an Ottawa, uh, and I know that the guys watching their team are also watching me, or I'm from Masters, like, that's, a, that's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. It's, you know? it's kind of cool. I've been on both sides. I've been the big dog playing the smaller side, yeah. and I've been the minnow playing the big. And, and it's cool. Different feelings yeah, entirely, it's, it's right? Great. It's great going to a new venue. It's, it's great doing something a little bit different and, and being the big dog. And then on the flip side, going out and trying to giant kill? Yeah. Oh, man, there, there's I, nothing I'll, better. I'll be honest with you. Like last year, I mean, I, we had some great games. There were some, some really good number Calvary, of really Montreal, exciting Montreal, another good one. Yeah, it was a great, great game, but... That that game at York, that game up at York Nine, with Montreal Impact, really good atmosphere. Like I was standing there, and somebody somebody tapped me on the shoulder, and uh, I was up above, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder, said, "You're gonna beat this this lot," and I said. Oh, you've just <laughs> and still and still at the uh, and still literally at the death. I mean, York, yeah, York we're after they, uh, they 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 hit the crossbar, last kick of the ball. Yeah. You know what was kind of cool too at that game? I was there as well. Just as as a, as a new, just as a purist and a pure soccer fan, the whole soccer community came together and were at that game. A mm-hmm. lot of a lot of people not being paid, not just just because of their love and passion for soccer and. In, in Canada, there's a little bit of Game of Thrones going on. Everyone's protecting their territory. But for, for 90 minutes, 
all of Canada's soccer came together, and that was so cool. I think we'll take this this podcast on the road this year as well, Dan. Right? We discussed right, it. You know, right, we'll right. go to these games. We'll record live from these games because just from get the, the energy. Games are in the pub. A bit of both, mate. Hey, definitely okay, pub. Don't judge. Don't judge you, David. There's the soccer culture. We need to get a beer sponsor first, don't we, Dan? Yes, right. We're working on that. Yeah. But I think it's important, though, you know, to, to you know, feed off that energy at these big occasions and big events. There haven't been that many big soccer occasions in Canadian soccer history, right? But now we're seeing every year something's happening, be it CPL, be it Canadian Championship, be it, you know, TFC, Montreal and, and MLS Cup. Canada-US this Canada, year was US, a really good example, yeah. right? That was fantastic, BMO. wasn't it? You know, when I first started covering the game in this country, these things didn't happen. Yeah. They just didn't happen, right? So within 20 years, we, we've grown so far. And now there's numerous podcasts out there, numerous TV shows. There's five of us sitting around a table here talking for an hour. You know, it's all very positive. Um, I Lots of tweets actually asking David about the, the potential timeline for a CPLW. Um, where where do you stand with, with the women's league? So, as you, I think you guys know that we we uh, we purchased League One Ontario, uh, and so we've been we actually have grown that in its second year. Going into this year, we've added a couple more clubs. But what most people don't realize is that not only did that come with men's teams, but it also came with reserve teams as well. So. Uh, but we also came. It, it now it, it came with uh, twelve women's teams, and that's growing to fourteen, potentially fifteen, women's teams. So it's and Carmelina Moscato is is now working with us, and so she's the commissioner of that. Now we recognize you know you're starting down at a D three at best at that level, but but it starts there, and so start to build. And how do we do that? So we've started down that road, but we're not at the point yet where we. Where, where we can actually call them out as professional teams at this point in time, but it's a start, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you had asked me 18 months ago, would you be at that level? Can you know where you're actually starting to to move it forward that way? I, I would have said, I, you know, I too much to do in the in the in the CPL first, the men's the men's level, but but we're we recognize that it's it's not going to wait for us. We have to we have to do something. So so we're on it, and uh, you know we'll keep we'll keep working at it. Opportunity is going to be. When does the opportunity present itself, right? And, and how do you structure it? And uh, it's going to be like, the key thing. Getting people that come involved, though, is key. But, right? again, again, I, don't, I hate to keep bringing these guys up, but, you know, if you look, the biggest, the biggest attended women's game ever in professional football was at the Wanda Metropolitano, right, with 61,000 people or 66,000 people there, yeah. right, playing against... Uh, that was I think a couple was, months ago. Yeah, I think it was yeah. last summer. Last was it last summer in the early fall? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was uh, against Barcelona, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Terry, it's uh, it's ten thirty. You, you got to leave, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can leave now if you want. I don't want to leave. No. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but great job, mate. Really enjoyed this. You're welcome back anytime. Great. Get Th- back thank on you here. so much uh, for having me, David. Congrats on all the success, and and I look forward to to hopefully helping out if I don't get binned uh, <laughs> <laughs> for next season. So exciting. Each. I'll see you in a few hours. Okay. I've got pies for you, by the way. I bought pies for you. Nice. So let me give you some pies. Okay. What, what pies are they, Shams? Um, I got Terry and Dan asked for um, chicken curry and uh, steak and cheese. Is that oh. cool? work right now? Yeah. All right. At least he's shaman pies. Yeah. Terry's been on my case for like about a year and a half now, and I never see him. So I, I want to do him. the try before you buy thing. <laughs> no, it's just cheap. cheap <laughs> I want your honest opinion of these as well, Tom. Okay, oh, look oh, at the packaging. Awesome. This you. is called integrated marketing, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. Vertical, my brother. Vertical. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start calling them Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> 
Terry, thanks, mate. Great Very job. Very discreet. Very <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, we've got a few minutes left, right, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Deech, I want to ask you, um, you mentioned joining QPR. Mm. What was your big moment, you know, as far as that, that new club? How was it to leave QPR? You went to Sampdoria, but, I mean, that's your boyhood club. Your family yes. support QPR. How tough a call was it to leave that club? Well, QPR was going through a little bit of transition. They, they'd uh, sold a couple of their, their top, top players. Les Ferdinand had left. Um, and a couple of other guys We'd just been relegated to the championship. And I'd had like a year left on my contract. So they brought in a couple of new coaches, Stuart Houston and Bruce Rieck from Arsenal, that I didn't particularly see eye to eye with. Um, I wasn't playing as much. And they'd actually come to me and said, look, we've got two deals on the table, uh, one to Wimbledon and one to Sunderland. My dad being Italian, uh, his dream was always for me to play in Serie A. So we'd been already kind of out of contract in six months' time. As I said, we were speaking to Italian clubs. So we spoke to Napoli and, and Sampdoria. And then I'd made my mind up that I signed a pre-contract agreement with them. If I was going to leave my boyhood club, I wanted to be in charge of where I wanted to go. So uh, that was really it. I left a, a couple of sour grapes because QPR was the club that I've, I kind of grew up with since I was nine years old. And leaving at, at 1920, um, they didn't really get anything for me. So I think there was a, a little bit of a bad taste left in, in their mouth from, from that action. But again... The club wanted to send me somewhere I didn't want to go. So I wanted to be in charge of it with the Bosman rule coming in to effect. And I went to Sampdoria. Yeah, that changed it all, didn't it? Bosman. Yes, <laughs> Bosman ruling was you know, key. Players moving and you know, free movement of players. Mm. My God, that changed everything. Pretty exciting for footballers at that time, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It, it, was, it was a rule that come into play because of a player. I think it was in Belgium, Shams, at the time. Yeah, who, that's right. Lower division, right? Lower division. His contract was up. He'd organised to go to a new club, I think in France or somewhere else, and his club, who weren't playing him, he wasn't getting any time, again, was kind of leaving on bad terms, said that you can't go for zero money. We want money for you, even though you're surplus to requirements here. We want money for you. So he took them to the court of arbitration or uh, some kind of... Yeah, it's European law, right? European law and, and labor law. And he won a case, and that's why uh, the Bosman ruling came into effect. It's interesting because I, I don't see too too much of it nowadays because clubs now are wary of it. Like even Ericsson now at Spurs, his contract's up in the summer, and Spurs said, okay, we're not going to let him go for zero in June, July, so we're going to take 12 million. Now he's worth 50 to 60 million for sure. But we're going to take 12 million. We'll take the 12 million hit, put it in the bank, and see what we can do moving forwards. But I don't really see too many players seeing out their contracts anymore. Big clubs don't let them do it. It's crazy looking at the CPL teams this uh, off season and the, the player movement, players being released outright. That first year was just uh, the Wild West in many ways, trying to figure out who has what. And uh, it's been a pretty busy off season so far. Is it March first camps uh, open or are thereabouts? March first, yeah. March first, right? Is the, is the target for the preseason camps. Lots of agents uh, slithering around, are there right uh, now? And I don't, I don't. Uh, slither is not the word. <laughs> out of here, but there's certainly lot. There's lots of interest. Let's put it that way. So what's what's the <clears throat> contract situation in the CPL, David? Is is it similar to like MLS or to around the world, where if you sign a two year deal or some of these players only signed a year deal, right? If 
was there an option at the end of these deals? So, so typically, the clubs have, have tried. Danny, they've tried to. Uh, they, they'd like to have a. You know, if it's a one-year contract, they want at least a one-year option yes. with the player, right? And so, for the, all the same reasons that you're talking about, right? Um, but that, so that's typically what we try to do. Some are on two years. Um, but but with the new league and knowing that you're going to have changeover and things like that, you're better off to keep it, keep the options open, so to speak, yes. one year and a, a, pl- a plus a one year option, and then you're back to the way the rest of the world normally works, where it's like if you do well, you're going to be back again, yeah. right, and you get rewarded for that. So yeah. so that's it's it's worked out well for us so far. And tell me this as well. So say if there is a foreign player coming over from say Scandinavia or wherever in the world. Are there rules in place throughout through the league or through the clubs itself to help these players um, financially for the first two three weeks to settle in to help them out in the sense of of, of with their visa papers and stuff yeah. like that as well? So yeah, the clubs are doing. We've got uh, so the clubs have actually have lawyers that are dealing with all the visas and, and quite European players. It's a very quick process, yes. very quick process, of days, not weeks. Yeah, and then the clubs are also taking care of accommodations and things like that. Okay, so uh, the clubs for, are in charge. Yeah, of it. yeah, so that's all. It's all built into their cost structure. So, no, it's it, as it should be, right? Yeah. So, so entering year two, um, let's rewind a year. Are you happy? Yes, very much so. I think uh, I think we're set, we're setting ourselves up very well for a, a better and even better um, I'll call it product and competition than we had last year. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, no, that and then two dollars gets you a cup of coffee at a local shop, right? But <laughs> yeah. but 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 the bottom line is we're, we're the structure is right. We're doing the right things. We're trying to we're we're we're, we're we're advancing some of the the key things that are going to make the the product better on the, on the, on the, on the pitch, and at the same time we're making sure that we're talking to the supporters and, yeah. and making sure the engagement is there, right? And how do we continue to do that? So <clears throat> the other thing that's happened too is with an eight team come eighth team coming in, it gives us a little bit more flexibility in the schedule. That more change, balance, yeah. That, that gives you the balance so. changes a lot. So now, you know, one of the biggest things was, and, I, and I, I admitted to this last year, we put some of the players last year through hell and back, if you want to call it, because, you know, you, you, you don't realize, you know, you know Canadian Championship, uh, you've got, if you're going to CONCACAF, like Forge did, like it's a big deal, right? There's lots happening throughout the summer, and there was no break. We yeah. don't do the break because of the time, because of when we play, right? So then you end up with these shoulder months, April and May, early June, you know, end of September, October, where the weather turns pretty quickly in this country, right? So relaxing on some of those midweek games and things like that, A, it's better for the supporters and the fans, but B, it's better for the players as well. Also, the travel schedule. I don't know if you know this, but Halifax, the Wanderers, HFX Wanderers last year, they traveled over 120,000 miles. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. For their season. It's like, crazy, can yeah. you imagine, like, it's, a, it's an hour bus ride in London, or it's, you know, yeah. 20 minutes, uh, you know, if it's Rangers Celtic, right? Like, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And, and these guys are seven-hour flight from Halifax to Victoria. Yeah, yeah but Ottawa makes that a lot more, uh, a lot easier, right? It, and and the schedule, mean, balance yeah. schedule. And, and the idea of being able to, you know, you go, no one wants to go on two-and-a-half-week road trips either. We did that to Halifax last year yeah. to the Wanderers. So, you know, that's what ended up happening. Their final game was uh, was the game where they played in York, and it, we saw how that went after they had been in Ottawa to play the Fury, right? But but so what we but the, the idea of being on a seven day road trip where you play a midweek game and then another game on the on the weekend, you know, somewhere else and then back home that's that's a good thing. It's good for mm-hmm. the clubs. It's 
uh, it's good for the players. It's more cost effective. It's more as cost well. effective yeah. for the teams, you know. And, and then if you're doing that, that means that you're investing that money somewhere yeah. else, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> well, exciting times for Canadian football. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us. We'll have you back on if, if you'd yeah. like. Thank Absolutely. You. Uh, thanks very much. Numerous times throughout the season. It's good um, fun. Yeah, it's, it's a. We're, we, we're all right on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of fun, eh? We scrub up well. Yeah, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Please, everyone, make sure you follow us, of course, on social media Twitter, f- at Footy underscore Prime, and on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, Footy Prime, the podcast. Our thanks, of course, to our home away from home, Dean Blundell dot com as well uh that's it that's uh, another edition of footy prime behind us so thanks of course again to terry dunfield who rudely jettisoned from the pod yes. about 10 minutes ago but uh he got he had a big meeting at tfc why weren't you there did you no i think he was going to see one of his girlfriends shakira shakira Shake that Shakira image from my mind for some time, I don't think. Uh, All right, everyone, hope you enjoyed that, uh, and we'll be back next Monday. Cheers for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 